Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. For, for over 30 years, my guest has led Calvary La Habra as a senior pastor. He's seen many things over the years, and today we're here to talk about his ministry, his leadership style, advice he might have for up-and-coming pastors and leaders, and uh, where he sees the future of the church in today's both political and social climate. Please welcome to the Ruben J. Show, Pastor Lance Cook. Lance, welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, Honored I'm, to be here. It, it's uh, This is a, a little bit of a, a long time coming for me because uh, you know we've been with schedules and all that stuff. It's been crazy. So I, I'm both excited, nervous, and uh, just wanting to just do a good job in front of somebody I've admired for the last 15 <laughs> years of my life. So if I'm a little nervous, please forgive me. Um, but let, let's start. You know, we are in the, the studio that he has built here at Calvary La Habra. We have the Calvary La Habra logo behind us. Uh, so I think it's a good place for us to start at the beginning of your ministry because I've heard bits and pieces of the story, and I don't know how much time uh, the whole story would take, but I would like to know the, the foundation of you know, committed fellowship, because that to me is one of the most, um, book of acts style starting a church I've ever heard in like, you know, a small shop and, and getting it to where we are today. So tell me about the the start of, of committed and, and, you know, the, the calling that you felt on your heart when you, you started doing your Bible study that led to this church. Yeah, I think it's important, uh, to stress whenever I, um, am asked to, to, to give an account of like, Hey, how did this church start? Um, I think it's really important to stress that it is a it is a hundred percent a God thing, and I'm not just being cliche. Um, if it wasn't a God thing, I wouldn't be part of it because um, I had my own agenda, like most people do, my own career uh, in the surf industry, shaping boards, uh, having uh, a retail store. Uh, going back that far takes us back almost 35 years, I believe, wow. uh, but back in the 80s. When um, Dayglow was still in and all that, it was pretty cool. But um, yeah, I wanted to I wanted to reach inland surfers and skaters, and so we opened up a a retail store, Summer Surf and Sports. Um, my whole uh, goal in doing that was uh, business; it was bottom line. Uh, but after uh, after a while, I realized there was more to it than just making money. Um, the kids that came in um, surf shops build a posse. Uh, regulars that like to hang out, and of course, uh, we sponsor the ones that skate well and surf well, and uh, and you you build a crew, you build a following, and I begin to care about uh, these kids in ways I I um, I hadn't expected, and um, it was through a, a, a series of events um, where the Lord began to grab my heart. But one particular um, life-changing conversation was. Um, through uh, an individual by the name of Carl Lawrence, uh, an older gentleman who had uh, raised his family in the Philippines, but had come out to this area when his kids were in high school. Um, his son, Sean, and others were working in my store um, and hanging out at my store, and uh, Carl wanted to have a breakfast with me, and uh, so I met him, and he, he used that, that breakfast to challenge me. Um, there were one of the, the young kids that had not been around for a while, and he asked me if I knew where they were. I said no. 
and he informed me that um, they had tried to take their life as oh, a 15-year-old wow. uh, young man. And, and he says, now you're Christian? And I, yeah, yeah. And he, he kind of led me in. He says, well, well, what did you give this young man when he was around your shop? And I was naive enough to just list off all the product I gave him because he was a sponsored kid. And Carl then was like, well, you said you're a Christian. And I go, I am. And he goes, I'm going to ask you again, what'd you give him? And, um, and I kind of went, what, what's the point? And he, he said, listen, you gave a 14, 15-year-old kid everything that he would want, but you didn't give him what he needs. And I'm like, well, what's that? He says, well, uh, people who try and take their life have no hope. And so I want you to really think about that. And I says, well, well, how do you offer a 14 or 15-year-old kid hope? And he says, I thought you were a Christian. Mm. And I says, I am. And he says, uh, hope is found in God's word, and you know that, Lance. He says, I'm going to challenge you to open your Bible with these kids at least once a week and read it and share things from it and, and, and see if that doesn't change their lives. And I took him up on that challenge on Tuesday nights and um, opened my Bible, and I watched God use his word to change lives. That's incredible. And because for me, it's like I've, I grew up in the area where the church is now planted, mm-hmm. you know, and I remember coming, walking around the neighborhood, walking to the school and on the way to and from school, stopping at the cafe that at the time was like almost a, like a secret full service cafe. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know if it was ever officially like open to the public or not, but you guys would, would sell to the kids that would come in and, you know, and your staff here would, would, uh, would always, and at the time I didn't know it was a church. I thought it was just a Christian bookstore and cafe. Yeah. I had no idea there was a, another whole portion of the church down the, down the way. And the staff had that same mentality of always wanting to pray for the kids and be there for them. So did that was that something that you carried over into as you built this church and built this property, or is it just something that just organically happened? Yeah, I I, I believe that um, a genuine work of God is is God at work in our hearts and. Um, you know, Scripture talks about God's love being shed abroad in our hearts, and it is a, um, it's a supernatural thing. I mean, God gives you His heart for others, and we began to, to, to love on these kids. It wasn't just an academic exercise. It was more of helping them understand who God was and learn to walk with Him, and He's, he's a God of love, and He loves them. And What is that? And, 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 and one of the ways His love is going to be displayed is through our our actions, how we treat them, how we talk to them, um, how we interact with them. And so my wife, Lori, uh, and myself, we began to pour a lot of time into these kids, take them surfing and, and always taking them out to eat and hanging out with them. And, and so as, as that group grew, we found ourselves, before we came here and we're in this property, the Lord directed us. Uh, we were in a park for a while, and it was just a matter of uh, we didn't fit in the surf shop anymore, so go to the park. But before anybody got there, we're grilling burgers, we're putting up volleyball nets. Um, it was just outreach before we knew formally what outreach was. We were um, loving on kids. And then others who were getting saved began to show up and say, hey, we'd like to help out. And, and of course, as you're honoring God and, and loving people, he's going to grow that work, and, and he's going to provide... Um, covering and, and, and facilities for that work. And so that then, before we came here, led to someone letting us use a warehouse for free for 
uh, a, a few years, and, and the work continued to grow, and we went into Sunday mornings. And, um, you know, it wasn't anything we ever asked people to get behind financially. It was nothing like that. It was more like everything was free. I still made surfboards. Uh, and so people just came, and as the work grew, uh, we realized we're not going to fit in this warehouse anymore. And that's when we found this uh, five-acre parcel uh, shopping center that's about to be shut down. Uh, I guess no one else wanted it. <laughs> but, uh, but God was like, you're going to go to La Habra, and we're going to pave the way and give you a favor with the city. And, and um, all of the, the things that come with moving forward down a road that you know nothing about. It was just the favor of God and the favor of God, honoring his, his word and, and honoring um, hearts of people that just were, were loving on others. And that's how we ended up here. At what point did you realize that you were you were leading a church, though? Because I, I feel like a lot of times, um, you know, there's, there's usually, in my experience, there's two kinds of people in the world. Those who uh, don't want to become pastors and ultimately end up in a situation where they are a pastor, yeah. or those who desire to be pastors and create vanity project churches that end up not going very well. <laughs> yeah, I think, for, for I mean, speaking personally for myself, um, I see ministry through the lens of, uh, my personal experience and through the lens of God's word. And, and I began to realize that what was happening with me was lining up with what God had done through the life of Paul, let's say. Not to the extent of Paul, of course, but just uh, there was that initial conversion. And then with the conversion there in Acts chapter 9, um, there was a specific calling. And I might not have seen the calling five years down the road any more than Paul saw his calling five years down the road. But... Um, the Lord had spoke clearly to his heart, and the Lord was beginning to speak clearly to my heart and put uh, a specific people group on my heart, surfers and, and skaters and whatnot. Um, and then I think uh, it was the obvious. It was just people were getting saved. I, I really, you know, growing up in a Christian house had never, a Christian home and, and going to church, had never really seen my friends around me, um, you know, coming to the Lord through through my actions, if you will. You know, they went to church and got saved. But now these kids are coming to the surf shop or to a park or wherever, and they're asking questions. And I'm, like, answering the questions and even giving opportunities for people to invite Christ into their life after a study, and they're doing this, and then he's changing them. So I, I would say somewhere along the line, I can remember a conversation of uh, a few people coming and saying, we need to start Sunday mornings. I'm like, no, 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 this is not a church. <laughs> and, and they're like, there's, there's like, there's a lot of people coming. It is a church. No, 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 it's just a Bible study. And, and I, I really, Ruben, I feared, um, I guess in, in, in my view, putting a collar on, if you will. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feared the audience, losing the audience that God was reaching through our ministry if I became what I envisioned as a formal clergy. And so I, I did my best to play that down in order to keep reaching people where they were. And God was honoring that. Um, and I remember even talking to someone. It was a, almost a humorous Sunday. They were like, well, what are you going to accept this calling? Or something? And I says, look, when people want to get married, when people want to get buried, and people want to get their kids dedicated, and we start seeing that, then let's talk. Man, sometimes you do have to be careful uh, what you say, you know, because the next week I someone I wanted me to marry them, and and um, and then someone wanted me to dedicate a kid, and I think someone 
I don't know. It all kind of like happened right away. And um, I embraced that. And um, I think another key thing was um, what I embraced was what God was doing in the now. I was content with that. I wasn't looking for a title. I wasn't looking for an image. I wasn't looking for a career. I was content with what God was doing in the now. And I was captivated by it. Um, He had invaded my heart with grace. I saw him invading other people's hearts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Grace and I wanted that to continue on. I didn't want anything to come in and compete with that. And having grown up in the church, I know how organized... Uh, religion can can compete with just the fresh flow of the Holy Spirit, and so I think that was my my um, my passion was to keep that alive. Where things began to change is when you, you you do open up your doors to a Sunday morning, and we had a warehouse, and there's a sign, committed fellowship. Uh, people started dropping in, and um, you could tell who was maybe not part of our group. I just they. They were more dressed up for Sunday morning, and they walked in and went, huh, what, what is this? You know, I joke, I go, guess which people in the worship band are saved and which ones are not? Because <laughs> you really didn't know. But, but the Lord was doing a great work, and it was a few hundred people now. And, and um, we, had, we were going out to Costa Mesa uh, and checking out their concerts and stuff. And um, it's where Lori got saved. And, and I knew Odin Fong and, and, and asked him to come out and do a, a, a worship set. And Odin came out on a Sunday, and we had two services at that time. And, and in between, he came up to me, and he's like, Lance, this is a church. I'm like, nah, you're, you, no, it's not. Don't, don't start that. Just, <laughs> just hang out and enjoy what the Lord's doing. Lance, it really isn't. You know, I know, I know a lot of churches that wish they had something like this, and it's young, and it reminds me of, like, the early days of Calvary, all that. And I really didn't pay much attention to him, Reuben, but uh, uh, he went back and I guess had a heart-to-heart with Pastor Chuck. And Lori and I went away on a ski trip, and I came back, and, and um, it's in those days when you had the answer machine. And um, For those who don't know, it's a machine that would literally <laughs> just take your messages, a little cassette tape. A cassette tape is, never mind, not going to go down that route. Pretty much, trail. pretty much, you just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a machine rather than being on your phone, but you'd push a button and it would be these recordings of people leaving you, um, whatever. Uh, and it's, it, for most of it was like, hey, Lance, where's my board? You know, I ordered my board five weeks ago. You said it'd be done in three weeks. But then I pushed one and it was Pastor Chuck. And, um, and I didn't know him. And he was there and I knew, I knew Pastor Raul Reese. I made him and his boys surfboards. And Odin and others, I believe, like Raul, were telling Chuck about this work. And they were having an, a, a board meeting at Costa Mesa. And he just was like, hey, you know, we hear good things about what God is doing there. And we believe that he, he wants you to be part of our fold. We'd like you to be. It's, it's, it's similar to what we see him doing with our churches. And so we've, we've talked and we're, we're ordaining you right now over the phone. Click. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't even know what the word meant. You know, I was like, it's like, so 
my journey is more of uh, taking a step of faith, God honoring that. And he would honor it with maybe doing something in the here and now or doing something that encouraged you to take the next step. And so it was a, 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 a very clear, obvious work of God that I couldn't deny. Um, and it seemed like it got to a point in order to, to grab a hold of what he was doing in my tomorrow, I needed to start letting go of a few things in the industry that he was doing in my today. Uh, so surf shop, we closed that down. And then other things, clothes lines and stuff like that. Um, some are bored, some are fit and that. And, and that to embrace um, more that required more time and, and more opportunity. So uh, letting go of that was hard, I must admit. Your identity does get wrapped around a career and being a, a shaper and the label and all of that. And, and that needed to be reckoned debt. It needed to be crucified. And, and that old Lance and that image and the whole marketing thing needed to, it had run its course. And, and it, it was hard to, 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 to lay it down because of it being a tool that God had used. But then there was this other platform that God was, was giving us. And, and that's really when I think he moved us here. And, and it was like, here you go. And, you know, we don't have time to get into all the miracles and the, the continued pattern of God's favor that allowed us to... Um, be here and and acquire this property and build it out to the extent that we have but it's 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 a it's it's a lot and and it's humbling uh even to look back on what he's done and to uh know it's him keeps you in that mindset of of being a steward of it it's it's not ours in that sense it's his and we're like if he's entrusted us with this much we better be faithful with it and so we've really um, fought hard to, to um, um, raise up leaders, and I would use the word respectfully, indoctrinate leaders, you know, and our servants here with that mindset of, hey, this is a work of God. He's doing it. Look how he's done it. Let's continue to be faithful to his leading. Um, let's continue to prioritize his word, platform his word in people's lives, and not be all hyped up on titles and positions and and all that. Not, not that the Bible doesn't assign titles and positions, but um, to keep the main thing Jesus and to keep the main focus on him. And, and, then, and then just, you know, let him line up the work with his word rather than the movements that we see out there. Because mm-hmm. those movements, as you alluded to earlier, those trends sometimes, um, they look less and less over the years like the book of Acts is modeling the church to be and we've tried to stay faithful to what the book of acts models the church to be yeah i you know i've been around this church for 15 years now and and i off and on you know not consistently but you know i've seen that the one thing that is consistent is that this church doesn't chase trends we we don't we're not chasing the trendy worship song you know uh, it was a big deal a couple of years ago when you put that new lighting system in in the sanctuary, <laughs> yeah. and, and and a lot of people, you know, were like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" And and it was like, that was the big, you know, revolutionary <laughs> thing to happen at this church, and that was five yeah. or six years ago. You know, we don't do the big production, we don't do the big pyro, uh, light show, any of that stuff. Is is that is there a reason for that other than just wanting to keep it simple? Yeah, I think that's probably the 
the the the main focus is, you know, what what's the Lord leading us to be and leading us to do? And it's not that some of these advancements in technology aren't tools that He would have us to to tap into and utilize, but um, we're more about, how, you know, God is going to build His church. Jesus says it's His church, and He's going to build it, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it in Matthew chapter 16. And so one of the things we want to do is say, okay, um, how does he build the church? And how does he maintain the church? And we've got to be careful not to let the lines blur with, hey, if we just had this sound system, if we just had this lighting system, if we just had the latest and greatest in technology, then, then the church would grow and, and I'm not saying you can't grow the church through those things, but there's what I would call spiritual growth, which I'll just say is normal growth. Um, God gives you a vision. Um, it should line up with his word. You step out in faith. You, you, you're, you're marinating things in prayer, and God's honoring that, and he's adding to the church through salvation and even cross-growth, bringing people in that maybe need what he's doing uh, in this season. And then as he's growing that church, well, yeah, obviously we need maybe some technology to now accompany um, the growth that he is bringing. And I would say some people maybe approach that a little bit differently, mm-hmm. and we've tried to, to, to not do that. And it's, it's interesting you bring that up because a lot of the stuff in the early days, it's just donated stuff, and it's secondhand stuff from the church up the street or whatever. And we got to a point where like, they're like, hey, you know, social media now, and 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 there's people that are watching. I'm like, really, you know, where are you putting that out? There? I didn't really track with all of that, and they were like, you look horrible online, you know, you just look like like a ghost up there. Because I laughed, and and then they showed me like I think it was like, look, this is what Greg Laurie's doing or something, and this is us. And I laughed. I'm like, oh, whatever you guys got to do, I get it. You know, quality in that sense, we should be as Christians giving. Um, good quality in the visual and the audio and all of that. And so, but we kind of laughed when, when COVID hit because it was almost like the Lord put all of that stuff in place, not knowing that our, you know, online audience uh, would just, uh, would grow exponentially through those first couple of weeks. But there we were and everything was already in place and we had a good uh, quality product, if you will, to put out there and, and um, that to reach the people that um, were, were, were staying home and then and, and, and a lot of them just were, were inviting their friends to listen and their friends were listening. Friends that would never come to church were not listening and all that. And so the Lord knew what he was doing. I think he yeah. was honoring um, you know, our commitment to him along the way. Yeah, it's funny, you know, you brought up COVID. And I think it's a good way for us to kind of shift into modern day here because, um, you know, COVID was for every industry across the board, a wake up call, you know, how are we going to continue to do, you know, whether it's our, you know, day-to-day business of selling a product or our spiritual business of saving souls and reaching people and, and, and being, um, you know, resources to people who need help at the same time, which, uh, this church did an incredible job of doing and navigating all of that. Um, you know, my, my question to kind of talk about modern day stuff is, you know, with COVID, I think, a lot of people had to learn to slowly kind of figure out what they were going to say, but also act kind of quickly because 
especially those early days, things were changing sometimes by the hour. Sure. You know, like I remember there was one day where it was like, oh, San Francisco shut down. You know, this place is shut down. Oh, Orange County shut down. And that all happened, I think, within like a 24-hour time frame. And I'm thinking, what does that mean for, for us? And I'm sure for you as a church, as, as a pastor, you're sitting there and you're thinking, how are we supposed to reach people and, you know, be a ministry if we're not able to actually meet with people? How were you able to navigate that that time frame, especially those early six months or so, the first six months of COVID, uh, and survive? Sure. I, I can go back to March 15th, 2020. It was a Sunday. Um, we were uh, excited. You know, a month before that, we had got final approval from our city to expand a 20,000 square foot children's wing. Um, we, were, we were just excited. And the, 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 the Sunday that we would announce to the church, hey, we got the permits, we're going to start building, was March 15, 2020. <laughs> the week leading up to that, uh, a lot of the phone calls I received from my, my peers and my pastoral friends I run with are, hey, Cook, man, are, are, are you guys going to have church on Sunday? And I'm like, yeah, because there's wind of a stay-home order. Are you going you gonna to open up? Or are you going to be I'm like, I go, there's no way. We're going to close our doors. Our people, you know, they're, 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 nah, they'll be there. They'll be there. And, and I remember walking, uh, walking up. I, wa- I was in the back. I'm usually uh, in, in the worship during, uh, uh, in the sanctuary during worship. But for that, whatever reason that Sunday I wasn't, I was in the back and talking about maybe what was going on. And I walked out for the first time in years and saw a sanctuary that wasn't full. And it was an unnerving uh, uh, moment for me. I was like, almost like, did we start early or something, you know? And, and uh, that, that, that whole, like, whatever study I was going to give, um, the Lord had been putting some things in my heart. I could, I could tell now the dots were connecting, and, and it, it was sobering. Um, but I taught, and rather than give the announcement on the good news of, hey, we're going to start building out of here, I, I better not say anything. I think it's, there's, there's tension in the air. And, um, and I, I remember I went down, and, and we had two services, and I walked over, and, and they, uh, the guys came up to me, some of the pastors, and they said, hey, man, you know, you know on Sunday morning, we might, we might have 500 you know, kids in children's ministry. There was like 10 in that first service. And, and I think even less in the second service. And so none of us saw this coming. And so uh, everyone looks to you like, what, what are we going to do? <laughs> and I says, I don't know, but um, just tell everybody, whoever wants to show up tomorrow morning, um, we'll be down in our, our cafe. we got a big cafe at 9 o'clock, and we'll just, we're going to pray. And that night, Reuben, I just remember the Lord vividly I remember the Lord waking me up and like almost set up and he just said lead and and I was like all right <laughs> I, I it's almost like if you took me and stuck me in a different country and, and said lead and, and when I got here um people were you could see it in their eyes you know, they're watching the news and, and they're the stay home order and all that. And I just remember I came in and, and people didn't know the mask thing. You know, do we, but there was a large, you know, 100 plus people showed up. And, and I just said, all I know is what God spoke to my heart last night. And he just said, lead. And I go, 
and I'm not sure what that looks like, but I know how to lead. And, and so I'm going to be here every morning at 9 o'clock. And I'm going to open up God's word, and we're going to see what he has for us for the rest of the day. And so um, there's a scripture God gave me. It's it, Titus 3.14, where it says, And let our people also learn to maintain to do good works. So you're teaching them to do good works. And so if you've been doing that along the way, you should expect them to continue that, no matter what comes our way. And then it says, to meet urgent needs so that they will not be unfruitful. And that is our, that is our verse for disaster relief. And I realized that we were probably facing in our community one of the largest scale disasters in our life. And so I called the city folks that I have good relationships with, and I said, hey, um, I'd like, to, I'd like to, to roll out our, our disaster ministry. And the questions that came were like, well, what are you going to do? Everybody's shut down. They're going to stay home. And I'm like, exactly. We've got a captive audience. <laughs> if you would allow us to lanyard up and, and go out, I know our people. We have resource connections. We can get toilet paper, all the stuff that people were kind of uh, panic buying and whatnot. We can get that, and we can take food out to them, and we can at least roll up and say, hey, we love you. We can pray with them on the porch or whatever. And they said, yeah. And so for, uh, for those few months, almost a year, you know, hundreds of homes, uh, we had ladies coming in and, and, and saying, well, how can you well, bake? <laughs> they bake cookies and bread, and, and, and we call it porch ministry. And so I can go on and on with the different things that God just put in our heart, but then we had, you know, um, multiple um, teaching platforms in the church. Like I've said earlier, from nursery care all the way to convalescent teaching. Uh, and so we, we stood up the studio we're in and, and just invited uh, every classroom from every age to come in and keep teaching their lessons. And we, we created a whole uh, um, platform for people just to every day you know, get a devotion to their age group or whatever it was. And then on Sunday, you could just click on. Uh, we restructured our website to uh, every, every teaching format that you, you, could, you could imagine was on there. And, and we continued to minister to our body and to the community um, at large. And I found, I found myself leading in ways that I could have never scripted. It was just the favor of God, again, continuing that same pattern. So... Um, we used a couple of different words. We're, we're, we're became infamous. One was pivot. And I would just, just ask our church to live out what God has poured in. Just I, I don't understand it any more than you do, but we are not going to get political. If, we, if we're going to grow any, any, any way through this, we're going to grow spiritually. And so I'm not going to um, politicize this or become political. I begged our church to um, make sure that God's voice was louder than any other voice. Um, I begged our church to use their social media platforms um, to, to turn people and to point people to him and his word and to um, really um, don't cave into the temptations to, to repeat the, the political narratives 
on stay home orders and masks and social distancing and all that kind of stuff. Just don't do that. They're hearing that everywhere. So we need to represent God's heart and God's voice and God's word because most media platforms they're going to aren't going to do that. So let's use ours to point them to the hope and the help that they do need, uh, which is found in Jesus Christ. And I have never been more proud of our church. Um, I, could, I, could, I could look back over all of the different platforms that we had. And there were, of course, the people, you know, you're going to have your naysayers, you know, Pastor Lance, you're being, re- you know, reckless or, yeah. or inconsiderate or whatever, because you're not lining up with how they view people should be acting during the uh, pandemic. But I just, I just humbled myself to those people and I asked them to pray for me. And I, I honestly just said, look, I'm just, I'm doing what I believe God has asked me to do for my own family and for for the church, and I'm not trying to be cavalier. I'm not trying to say this is for every church or every person. If this is not for you, we don't have a membership here. You know, maybe go to a church and and hang out with those people that that line up with what your um, your convictions are. But um, and it was hard to watch uh, as as we you know we we put a huge tent up out front long before uh, a governor said you could do that. Um, and, and we, we really felt that the Lord um, wanted us to continue. Uh, you know, I had a, a statement that said, you know, I believe that St. Jude is still open, and they're caretakers of bodies. How much more important is the caretaking of souls? And so we, we you know, we became the church that, that if, if there was a hospital need, we had favor in different hospitals, and we went in and... And I let people know, you, you, you know, pray and we're going to be exposed to things that we could possibly get sick. And this is a serious disease or, you know, a uh, thing that's whatever you want to call it <laughs> that's going around. Um, uh, virus that's going around. Um, but if, if you want to, you know, be used, there's people that we could sit down with. And we all went into hospitals and, and, and COVID wards and, and a lot of us did and, um, and the Lord protected us. We would eventually, all of us, or, you know, I think eventually going to have this herd immunity thing. Uh, but we, we felt that, that God was opening doors and we needed to walk through those doors. The funerals that we did. Uh, we did funerals for so many people, Reuben, that don't go to our church because their churches, their, their, uh, wherever they were connected, were, were not available. Yeah. And so uh, we, we, didn't, we didn't find ourselves at a loss of opportunity. We found ourselves with some of the greatest opportunity in the years we've ministered. Yeah, I, I just was completely, um, you know, I was watching from a distance just because at the time, especially in the beginning, it was, it looked like a much bigger deal than what it ultimately ended up being. Yeah, most know, people the, had that. Yeah, yeah and, and the science just showed in the beginning that, yeah, everyone was getting it. Everyone, almost anybody who got it ended up on a ventilator and dying, yeah. you know, in the early days. And my dad, you know, is in his late, 70, late 70s. And so I'm like, I'm not going to sure. go out just for his sake. And then once the science became more clear, I was a little bit, little bit different. But I, I saw this church leading, and I saw this church doing things, like you said, the tent went up weeks before Gavin Newsom said it was. you guys were able to do it. Yeah. Uh, and you were the first church in the area, yeah. to my knowledge, that did it. And then I saw every other church in the area doing it. Yeah. 
Yeah, we had a we had a couple of conversations. You know, the the, the thing we realize is that um, whether whether you're born again or not, whether you're Christian or not, uh, people don't do well apart. Families don't do well apart. Uh, coworkers don't do well apart. Well, if you like your coworkers, <laughs> and and the body of Christ, it's in our DNA. It, it, you know, we're drawn to one another. We're drawn to the same head, Jesus, and we're just—it's who we are. And and so we early on, you know, we anyone who came here on a Sunday, they drove up. Um, uh, we just we let them in, and and you know, everyone had whatever they want to wear a mask, wear a mask, whatever. And so we we saw that after we would record. And however many people were in that in the sanctuary during that recording, every service for those first few weeks, Ruben, we would finish, and then we had a whole set crew and all. I don't know how all that came together, but <laughs> but uh, they would say, "Cut, we're done," and then we would kind of kind of stand around, and people would drop their mask, and they'd, they'd all be crying every time. It was just tears, and and um, it was because we missed we missed our body. Yeah, when we didn't see him, and we had. Tens of thousands of people out there listening online, but where are these people that we see on a regular basis? The thousands that we would see on a regular basis, and and so we would we would have meals afterwards, and and me and Lori would just walk around, and 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 everybody was so grateful just to be together, and you know we kept people apart, we did everything we we possibly could, and we realized part of this is psychological, it's it's spiritual. There's a real physical thing going on. People are getting sick. Hospitals are filling up. But then the, then the psychological part of this was that people needed to be encouraged. And they needed to see your eyes and that, like, like you're okay. If I got a phone call from one of my daughters that something happened to them, I would only be okay on the phone. But I'd be really okay once I saw her. And, and so we started doing things just to bring the body around. We did drive-through uh, prayer and communion and... And people were coming in and bringing up signs. Wouldn't even roll down their windows. And we're like, wow, this is real. This fear's real. And we did drive-up services for those people who didn't want to come inside. And then I remember just in a meeting, and I thought, what if we put up a big tent? Because part of this is, it's a psychological campaign in the sense of we do care. We have some people saying maybe we don't care. But what if we just put up a tent? And we're like, hey, go sit outside. Because... Outside seemed to be the science at that time, like, hey, you know, it's less likely or whatever. Yeah. And so thank God we did, you know, three months before the, 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 our, our governor said you could meet outside or four, I don't know. But we did it more for just like peace of mind because we had people coming over here and they wanted to sit down and talk or whatever, go outside. So we got this, praise God we got it and we did. We got the good deal. <laughs> they were available. <laughs> it was a huge, you know. 20,000 square foot tent or whatever it was is a big tent. Uh, I don't know how big it was, but it's a big tent. And it's God tent. and God used that. Uh, and and then when um, G- Gavin Newsom said, uh, I don't know, I don't think he ever said you could start singing again. <laughs> but uh, he did say you could start meeting outside. And I think yeah. they tried to put a quota. You know, up to a certain number on that. We were already there. We were already doing that. And then that, for the people who did start to come back around, that seemed to really um, help them through their fear to know that we we had went to that extent um, in consideration for 
different positions on the, uh, on the pandemic. Yeah, and at some point, I, I, I said to a friend of mine, I'm like, I wonder when this tent's going away. And then it went away, and I didn't, I, I didn't realize it for like weeks. I'm like, oh, the tent's gone. <laughs> you know, and again, it was a similar conversation. I think we, we used it, and, and more people got comfortable with sitting inside. Um, and I just remember that, that now it's almost having a reverse psychological effect on people. Like, oh, they're still really worried about the pandemic, if you will, once the science has now even changed. And we thought, we're not using it as much, and maybe we are sending the wrong message. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, we thought it was uh, timely, you know, and um, found a, a great company that wanted to buy it and use it for party rentals or whatever they did. It was just a great, they came, picked it up, and I think I drove off one day, it was here, and the next day it wasn't here, and it, hardly anybody ever mentioned it. It was just like, yeah, I just, it, it was like, it's yeah. one of those things where it's like, it's part of the fixture for so long. You would think it would be a bigger deal when it went away. Yeah. You know, like when, you know, mom's favorite couch finally gets, you know, <laughs> you finally sell it or whatever. It's like, oh, all right. Yeah. Well, uh, I got one last question for you. And, and that's just, you know, uh, there are, in today's day and age, man, it's, it's really difficult, I think, for a church to really preach the word of God, you know, the way that it's written, the way that's intended, because there's so many particularly in the state of California, there are so many people who uh, will find offense to it or say it's against science or against whatever they believe. So what advice do you have for, for pastors just in general, um, you know, as they begin to navigate what the next, I really think the next warfare that we're going to face isn't going to be, you know, COVID. It really isn't going to be a spiritual thing. I think it's going to be political correctness and affirming people's beliefs that, you know, may not actually be real. So do you have any advice for anybody who, who's listening? Yeah, I think, I think whether it's uh, anybody listening that's in, in pastoral ministry or just if you feel like you're a Christian, you're leading to any capacity, I think it's important to understand um, we're living at a day and a time where people need to see our confidence in God. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're more confident in Him than anything else. Um, and so... That requires us to line up our, our lives with his word. Um, we talk about a biblical worldview. I think it's important to know that uh, we're living largely at a time where the world at large, let's put it that way, um, is less and less people have a biblical worldview. And so when we begin to talk about God, who he is and whatnot, they're largely ignorant. They just they just, that, that's your position. And if you ask them, you know, if you, if you read the Bible, have you ever sat underneath Bible teaching? I think a lot of people, the larger percentage of people would say, no, no, I haven't. And so I think it's important to understand that um, they need to see our confidence in God. Like, like my marriage is what God called marriage to be. Um, that I am, as a, as a man, I am confident and secure in my manhood, <laughs> and I am so because this is what I believe God created. He created them male and female, so I'm confident in that, and 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 I'm confident in that that truth. And so, to to display confidence in God is to display confidence in His Word. And He's like, heaven and earth's going to pass away, but my Word, no, that's eternal. He, he holds His Word above His name, and 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 so. You know, when we, we look at this as, as clergy, we have these fancy, you know, terms where we believe in the inspiration of God's word, like 
the inerrancy of God's word, that it's eternal in these things. But to break that down into layman's terms, it's to say, you know, um, the world needs to understand his word through how we live it out. And then those opportunities, uh, it's absolute truth. We're living in a day and an age where people are questioning absolute truth or truth. Um, we're living in a day and an age where they look at science and they're like, well, uh, you know, when we get to a point, Reuben, where we're saying that a, that a man can be pregnant and, and that a person can choose their gender, all these things, we really have to be, as Christians, we have to be able to go, you know, I understand, you know, what the world is saying out there, but as a Christian, this is what, this is what I believe, and it's based on God's word. And so um, I would just encourage anybody, whether you, you have a platform to teach on a regular basis or you just you have a platform in the workplace or in your marriage or with your kids, um, people need to see our confidence in God, and they're going to see that by our living a very confident life in his word. And, you know, Paul would tell young, young, young Timothy to to be ready in season and out of season. And part of that is like, you don't know what's coming. You just don't know. Sometimes we're like, oh, I'm ready for right now. What's going on right now? But you don't know what's about to come. So be, be, be ready in season and out of season and preach that word and be able to um, exhort people and encourage people with long suffering. We need to be very patient with the audience that we're dealing with right now. Yeah. We need to understand that they are not our enemy. They're not. Those that oppose us are not our enemy. They're victims of the enemy, which we were before we were saved. And so we need to be long-suffering and gracious and patient with people. I, I would encourage you to, you know, obviously be in the Word, and, and you can't give out what you don't take in, but, mm-hmm. but take in God's Word and, and be more of a question asker these days. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. And then see where that conversation you know, leads. When I'm asking people questions, it kind of disarms them. It, it, it builds a bridge towards them. And, and why do you believe what you believe? And where did you learn this? And, and show them that you care about what they believe. You want them to care about what you believe. Might start off by showing, hey, I care what you believe. Might not agree with it, but I care. You have an opinion. I care about you. And, and then see where those questions take you. And don't be surprised if you've been in God's words, the Holy Spirit doesn't bring things up to then... Um, spread some seeds of God's word in that conversation that he will bring to life. I love that. Well, Lance, thank you so much for, for taking your time today. Uh, if you are looking for a church, calvaryleharbor.org uh, is the place to check it out. Lance, thank you so much. Amen. Bless you guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.